is Jesus and Gym Shoes. Boy, this is Jesus and Gym Shoes. Welcome to another episode of Jesus and Gym Shoes where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills and Jesus. I have on the podcast today one of my favorite rappers. One of, uh, he's also a father. He's he's a renaissance man. He's a gym shoe connoisseur. <laughs> also, he has um, some really special shoes in his collection that uh, I can only dream about nowadays. <laughs> I can only dream about one of these days. One of these days. One of these days. I'm talking about those uh, couple of those pairs of Yeezys that you got. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know. But uh, he's a husband. He's all he's all the things, man. Um, so John Rewind Gunter Jr. Say what's up to the people, bro. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Um, in this series of uh birth control, like I was telling you before, um, I wanted to make sure that we had just realistic looks at what life was like as a person who has a life and a person who's also a parent because yeah it's you know you yeah you gotta live for yourself you know yeah that's um that i said yeah that's 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 one of the um probably the most important lessons kind of going into parenting that you have to learn and if you want you know a realistic view of what parenting is like is um taking a podcast right now in your kids yeah. room sitting next on, on the bunk bed so that, <laughs> that's where i'm at right now is, uh, while they're at school how old are the podcast in their room you know so absolutely how old are the babies so my oldest is five um she'll be six in february um and then we you know we did it back to back so my uh my second oldest is uh four um okay she just turned four in june and uh the newest one is six weeks old you know we just we're fresh we're fresh so we got a month old six weeks old baby right now and it has been a blessing and an adjustment a blessing and an adjustment i like i like how you phrase that <laughs> but we'll uh what's your favorite pair of gym shoes my favorite pair of shoes um yeah. uh shatter backboard jordan ones um are top tier for me um, okay. I'm a big fan of the Yeezy Twos, the Nike Yeezy Twos. Which um, one? I the pure plats are are okay. up there. The uh, but th- that's only because I don't have them. So the pure plats, are, <laughs> they're they're the ones I'm searching for. Um, I'm I'm not really I'm not a big fan of red. So red Octobers don't really do anything for me. Um, okay. The blinks are they were my grails. Um, and I, you know, like you said, I was fortunate enough to come up on them, um, finally in life. So, uh, I like the easy ones, but I'm, I'm super partial to Nike easy too. Um, and then anything that, anything that's Nike, I, you know, I just started wearing Jordans like the last, I want to say maybe five years or so, um, okay. they started re-releasing things with the Nike air, but I'm, I'm a Nike head still. Okay. Cause uh, yeah. Did you ever used to wear like Dunks or like the Air Force Ones? Yeah. So I actually okay. um, I, I I had a couple pair of Dunks um coming up. I remember I had like the Santana Dunks were like my favorite Dunks I ever mm-hmm. had. Um, but I uh, 
I used to have the biggest Air Force One collection like that existed for for a while. Yeah, hometown. I remember that. Yeah, I do so remember that. that. That used to be my favorite silhouette. My favorite silhouette, I think, now is the Air Max One. That's the that's my dad's shoe. Like every dad has to have their Air Max. I think the Air Max One is my silhouette. Um, but yeah, I do, I used to wear a lot of forces. Okay. Okay. That's what I, I remembered that. I was just like, yeah. was it uncle was it the Air Force One. I wasn't sure, but I knew it was one of the two. But yeah. what, so when you got married, was your wife like, yo, you got to do something with all these shoes? Not really. I think it was, it, it was kind of transition for us. Uh, you know, she, she likes shoes too. She's not like a huge sneaker head, but you know, I'd start, uh, like I said, I didn't wear Jordans. So I, I start buying her all the Jordans that I really liked, but I, I didn't wear myself. So like, um, yeah. My favorite Jordan silhouette is a 12. I'd buy her like 12 that I wouldn't wear. Um, and so she always knew that was kind of a part of me is like he has shoes. And then we kind of transitioned right around that time. Uh, we got married in 2014. Uh, we, we were kind of transitioning in life. And I, you know, I got rid of a bunch of my shoes. So I actually just started my collection again right around that time a couple years later um okay so i I actually didn't have any shoes around the time we got married i I had got rid of most of my shoes Mm, understood understood and so i'm sure uh with that you still had to i'm sure it's pretty impressive now Uh, it's it's getting back up there at, at number wise. I think I've got, yeah. um, you know, I talked to my my good friend Kevin Reed. He tries to get me on sneaker versus that he has going. That's it's not my speed, but um, that just dangerous. Um, show. I've, I've got a couple heavy hitters, man. But it's it's. I not think you and Johnny, you and Johnny, yeah. which y'all. I think if both of y'all still had y'all Air Force One collections, yeah. Like, but it would have to just be like y'all Nike ID Air Force Ones or yeah. or Johnny and his Nike IDs, and then like yours that you just like pull out. I know you still do. You still have those Easter's? The Easter I, I do still have the Easter's. I haven't that they're actually back home at my dad's house and, okay. and storage. I've been trying to find them. Um, my mom and my dad, you know, gave away a bunch of my forces to to my younger nephews. And uh, okay. like uh, I like my tuxedos got destroyed. My tuxedo Air Force One. I was pretty sad about that. But um, the Easter's, I I found them once, and my dad saw me there in storage. But I didn't take them with me um, at the mm. time that I found them. But there there's a couple pair that like I'll go to his house, I'll pull them out, and be like, oh man, I forgot these even existed. And then I'll take, <laughs> bring them back with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. I totally understand. But let's uh let's jump in real quick. What have you learned from being a dad? Oh man, uh everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I I uh I think parenting teaches you probably more than anything in life for me. Um one of the main things is um it kind of it it, it really humbled me and, and it let me relearn um the process of learning. I think it's yeah. the biggest, biggest thing for me because kids, they literally don't know anything, you know, like they're, they're learning how to be people. They're learning how to be functioning, you know, functioning beings. And so uh, I think it's the greatest joy, but it also 
teaches me so much about, you know, how good I thought I was at teaching or how good I thought I was at learning. It, 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 it gives me like a lot more patience. I've been, I've learned more patience and I just, you just learn about things, you know, because kids have um, dramatic changes in interest from what you may like, you know, you, they, they like a lot of things that you like, but they'll just wake up one day and they'll ask about dinosaurs and you might not know too much about dinosaurs, but um, between Google, Alexa, yourself, and you know the child, you uh, you take time to kind of learn. Uh, but I think for me, it's the most thing that the biggest thing that I've learned for kids is uh, just kind of reimagining and understanding the learning process as a whole. Do those so? What were kind of like your thoughts prior to having your first one? Oh man, um, I I've got a lot of things that were shaken. Um, one is discipline that I'm sure we'll talk about probably in a little more detail. But yeah. discipline is one that you know I um, I was really big on. Uh, my kids will you know, I, I, my kids will take get whoopings. A you know they'll be disciplined in this specific manner if they don't do this. Um, and I think as we talk about even learning. Um, that was one of the things that that changed dramatically uh, with with having kids was I can't you know, you can't you can't make up these rules or these arbitrary rules for people that you don't know yet. Uh, and then wow. and then even going further, you know, like all your children aren't the same. So, you know, their learning styles what they think discipline, it, it can't be the same for, for different people. You know, it's just like managing a team or something, you know, every player isn't the same. So. I, I want to go back to what you said. You said you can't uh, make these arbitrary rules for people you don't know yet. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I, that, I, yeah. I, I don't think that a lot of people actually see their kids as actual people. <laughs> <laughs> that, I agree. I, I think uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people don't understand um, for for some time. You know, like I think they have like their made up date or made up mm-hmm. age where like kids become people to them. You know, and and it's different for everybody. You know, like it's kind of the my house, my rules type of thing. Like when you turn eighteen, you can make these decisions, and and a lot of people I think actually parent with the idea that their child has no opinion or isn't you know isn't a full person until they're 18 and then when they're 18 they can figure out whatever and some you know are are even younger like they're 10 years old they you know they have rationale or something now they're a person you know but like three-year-olds just kind of aren't people to some parents you know and uh it's really sad to see sometimes yeah yeah most definitely and it's, and I think for me, not being a parent, it's like interesting to see how different kids interact with Uncle DJ. Like I'm Uncle DJ to all my nephews and nieces, but like every one of them is different in how they want to interact. Like one of my nephews is extremely shady. And so like he talks to me if his brother talks to me, whereas me and his older brother you know, that's just my man's. My man's yeah. 50 grand. He, like, yeah, I'm going to my Uncle DJ house. Or, like, I just want to yeah. be around my Uncle DJ. And the younger one is just like, nah, not so much. I like my grandma. Or I like my daddy. <laughs> or I like my older brother. I'll be around them. 
Yeah. And you have to allow them that space. And then you got your my niece, uh, she my niece Zara, she's most definitely like, Yeah, I'm gonna go sit with Uncle DJ. And then her yeah. her younger brother Jojo, Jojo just like, Yeah. He called me the other day. I was like, yo, you ruined my birthday. Bro, how I ruined your birthday? Because you didn't call me. I'm on the phone with oh, you now, man. bro. What you mean? Oh, man. So you have to allow all of them to be um, be who they are. But do those thoughts that you had prior, They, I, I'm taking that they don't line up with right now, right? Yeah, I think um, I think there's some. There's some that, you know, kind of uh, – that do still line up and, and they're mostly um, kind of personal tasks or like personal goals for your children, you know, um, those still line up. Um, but I think just a lot of, and it's interesting that you said it because I, uh, I use this hashtag all the time, uh, UJOE, uh, which stands for uncle John over everything. And that's uh, because I was an uncle, you know, way before, you know, I, I was an uncle at four months old. Um, and, and I have, I've got, uh, 13 nieces and nephews and, um, mm. at this point, three, two grand nephews in a, in a, a, a great niece, um, at this point. And so, um, that's where, you know, I, that's where I learned a lot of like what I thought would be my parenting skills. And, you know, I was like, I've been an uncle, you know, I've been like a fake dad for this many years, you know, so I, I know how to do this. And then, and then even, you know, I worked at a daycare for two years in high school. And so I I thought that I just knew so much about children and, and the parenting process, not realizing that, you know, I was an 18 year old, you know, <laughs> I was still learning yeah. about life. And so uh, as, as I kind of developed as a person and then as I had kids that developed into people, um, it was like a lot of those things was like, yeah, you know how to change a diaper, but, you know, like you, you don't know some of these, uh, you know, questions that'll, that'll kind of come or and, and when they'll come. Uh, I think that's the other thing. It's like your preparedness um, doesn't always line up with your child's preparedness. And, uh, yeah. You know, like even just like small things like questions about sex or death or something and you you have in your mind, like at 13 years old, when they're, you know, ready for this and this, I start telling them about sex. And it's like, now nah, you got a four year old. That's like where the babies come from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that didn't line up with your timeline that you had. You, you thought you had more time to, you know, kind of ease some of these things in. And, uh, and what was that scenario <laughs> where the four year old was like, "What do babies come from?" And it's it's really interesting. Um, and my my oldest, she acts just like me, um, and she's she's kind of she's real literal and mm-hmm. and like real kind of blunt, um, but she's real intelligent. So she does that thing where she asks questions that she kind of already knows the answers to to confirm. And I actually had the same situation with my mother. Um, I was I was actually like five years old, five or six years old, and um, I eased her in this way. I wanted to know about um, you know how children were born, and I told her like uh, I had like a school book, and I was like uh, you know fish lay eggs to have babies. How do how do people have babies? And my mom said they have sex. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's not, you know, like I, I went to get what I was looking for and she gave me what I was looking for. Exactly <laughs> what she was looking for. <laughs> she gave me exactly what I was looking for. And I was like, oh man, she, you know, but at, as a parent now, I understand that she knew that I already knew, you know, the kind of the concept and, and I was searching for an answer that I kind of already knew. And so um, my daughter's the same way. We kind of avoided it the first time uh, it came up. We kind of just changed the subject because me and my wife were kind of taken aback. Um, but it, it it went around the same way. She was just like, um, so how were we made? And then we're like, you know, we told her a pregnancy story and stuff. And she's like, no, like, how do, where do, how do babies get in the stomach? And it's like, you want to know what you want to know. <laughs> like, you know, like you're not, you're not pulling a punch. Like we gave you, we gave you something to satisfy. Um, and so uh, we still haven't, you know, we didn't break it down too much. We, you know, we told them about love and, and creating love and, and kind of left it at that. But um, it, it comes at you a lot faster than you, than you expect it to. Wow. I, I'm, I need to ask my mom how I asked about that because <laughs> <laughs> I really need to figure out because I was like five when my youngest brother or younger brother was born. So I need yeah. to figure out what I asked <laughs> then. Um, yeah. How do you show love to your to your kids, to your girls? Because you got all girls, right? Yeah, I got all girls. So I am uh, I'm, I'm team girl dad. Um, but I, I kind of come from it once again. I'm, I'm the baby boy. Um, I got six older sisters, um, so I, I grew up around all girls my whole life, just me and my dad. Um, and so showing love is um, that's just for me. Like, I think that um, it's the easiest thing to do um, in general, you know, not even just being a parent, but it's uh, it's pouring into them. Um, time, you know, reading with them, playing with them, um, telling them I love them literally nonstop. We're a super loving household. So we, uh, it's, it's almost like, uh, it, it's almost like an exaggerated TV show. Like you would think I was lying. Um, mm -hmm. but like my kids, they'll be playing and they'll just like take a break. They'll run in and they'll just give me a hug, you know, and, and we're the same way. Like I'll, I'll be playing my game. I'll be working on something. I'll be like, I need a 10 minute break to go hug on everyone in the house and <laughs> say, I love you. And so, you know, the kids kind of pick it up too. But um, it's it, it, it's really in every way that, that I can, um, you know, I can think about it, uh, you know, telling them they're beautiful, um, just giving them motivation, you know, telling them they're intelligent. Um, we do um, we do kind of this, uh, this, uh, I can't think of the word right now. What is the word? Uh, Affirmations. We do. We do um, some affirmations with the girls uh, each night um, before they go to bed. And um, I tell them that, you know, it's for them uh, to do when I'm not there to love themselves. And uh, and, and it just you know, it's I'm smart. I am pretty. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a strong black girl. Um, I love me. No one else can. No one can stop me from loving me. And, and we go through that every night. And so it's um, giving them the tools to love themselves, but also just just pouring into them in any way that I can. Oh, wow. that's beautiful, man. I um, I was talking to Marcy. Um, mm -hmm. I did an episode with her and she was telling me that her and Charlie um, do the same thing. And then also with Avery, 
she talked about or well, she did like this Abe month, is, huh i said i miss ave sickle <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so you know she she did this uh you know a whole month of june just like affirming avery um that's the past year yeah like every day she had something for him to do that's and so amazing. you know yeah she just had like a month where she just poured into him every day he met with different people for like an hour um and he and he was able to you know she was able to just like see yeah. you know um uh, more of him um yeah that's really really special i think that's i think that's awesome that you guys do that what do you do what are you doing to keep yourself in shape so that way you can be the best father man that you can I, uh, uh, that you can be um right now nothing <laughs> no i'm I, not but i'm not even talking about physical right yeah, um yeah. like what are you doing to just make sure that you're in the best state yeah to be the I, best i was gonna say um so one thing um on the on the physical tip um i do i do have spurts of where i work out pretty intense you know i have like it's almost like a bodybuilder like i have low periods and then <laughs> and then i'm just um, I'm, I'm fat for the for the winter um but it's uh i'm i'm really big on taking care of my you know my mental health uh fortunate okay. that you know one of my jobs provides uh really good therapy um insurance and so i i talk to a therapist every other week uh, i've got a really dope um, relationship with my therapist um and then it's uh you know taking taking time for yourself um uh, for me time for myself is, is usually just playing the game you know i play a lot of video games um and and really establishing kind of some of those things uh even with the children like we, you know, we talk about boundaries we talk about um, taking self time a lot, and, and they kind of respect it to um, to a point, you know. And, and even my oldest, she'll she'll say like, you know, if I'm getting frustrated, sometimes she'll be like, "Do you need like a, a break? You know, do you need a break? <laughs> you need some time a to just break." Yeah, oh, and wow. it, you know, it's the same. It's the same thing that I kind of tell them, and so uh, it uh, we do that. You know, we we kind of talk about. Um, making sure we take care of ourselves and not, you know, lashing out on others and stuff. But um, other than that, I walk up and down the stairs uh, nonstop. Uh, we've got we've got a three story home, and so I uh, between you know the living room and upstairs where all the bedrooms are, I'm, I'm up and down them literally nonstop. You know, with the baby and and, and the kids. So uh, yeah. I, I make jokes all the time that even. Even if I don't get in the gym, I do those stairs enough to make sure that I, 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 I run up on my tippy toes to make sure I'm getting the calf raises in. And then um, I just pick up babies all day. And so I get my dad that way, you know. What prompted you to start going to therapy? Was it like, at what point of life did you start going to therapy? Yeah, so I, um, I've been clinically depressed since I was 13. Um, so I had um, I had a journey, especially in my younger um, ages of, of really understanding um, what was going on in my head and then um, some parents that were trying to get it right. And, um, you know, I had I had um, periods of like, you know, taking antidepressants when I was younger. Um, I highly don't recommend antidepressant for younger ages, um, but uh I didn't, I actually had never um, done like a real, I did a small therapy session uh, when I had, um, when my grandmother died when I was younger. 
Um, but I, I never did real therapy sessions um, at, a, at a younger age. And so the first time I went to therapy was actually in 2016, I believe. Um, and that was, uh, it was because I got a new job and they had some type of benefits that, you know, could afford therapy. And, and I was really actually going through a lot mentally because in 2016, I actually had my first daughter. And so um, it, it was really the challenges of life changing at that time. Um, me and my wife had moved to Atlanta. We were both in grad school. A bunch was just going on in our life at the same time. And uh, it had got it, it had got darker than, you know, it usually gets with me. And uh, I, I really I, I sought out and I was like, I, I got to go to therapy. I got to try. And uh, I tried a therapist in Atlanta at the time and she was really cool. But um, it wasn't until, you know, I actually moved to Texas that I found my new therapist and she kind of she kind of was the therapist I needed. You know, my, my other therapist wasn't bad. She just wasn't really the therapist for me. And um, when I got to Texas in 2018, um, once again, I switched jobs. I, I was benefited like 26 sessions a year or something like that. Um, and, uh, she, she just, she unlocked different things. I could, I could actually see the progress that I was making. And so even when I moved back to Georgia, um, I do video conferences with her now and phone calls with her because I, I don't think I'll have a new therapist, you know, it's just, it's like, it's yeah. like a barber or, or a doctor, you know, you just don't, you don't want to leave them. So, um, but yeah, it, it was really just so much transition in my life at the time, um, that I, I I really needed somebody to kind of piece through what was going on in my head, other than just myself. Okay, understood. What is um, what was that like, um, being younger and having to go through depression, right? Because we hear about it, and we, and I think that people have like a misnomer. That like, I don't know. I think I just think that people don't know. Yeah, they just don't know. Yeah, I think um, for me, that's what it was. Um, a, a lot um, was I didn't, I didn't know. You know, like I didn't, I didn't know what was actually going on with me. I just knew, like, you know, I was, I was a teenager, so, so I was going through natural kind of teenager changes. And a lot of times I wanted to blame it on, you know, that like I'm, I'm just a teenager. I'm growing. I, you know, I hate my life. Every teenager hates their life type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but it, it, it was a, it was a lot of darkness. And I, I had a lot of people around me that uh, I'm really grateful for some of my friends that, um, you know, just just love me for who I was, regardless. But I, I actually had really close friends that that actually didn't believe in depression, and so um, when I kind of let it be was it because of like religion or was it because of like it, it, black yeah, it, um, or... it, it, it was because it was one was because just being black like black people don't have depression, um, and uh, and that's actually he he's actually why I go really hard for uh, mental health because um, it, was, it was actually my best friend. And uh, shortly after we graduated high school, he committed suicide. And so um, it growing up, it was just like, 
there were a lot of people that didn't understand, you know, like because kids are, you know, kids are rude anyways. Like kids don't care. Yeah. Um, but I have a lot of a lot of things that even now, as I'm older, I realize the people that did get it. And and like I I had this English teacher that, that I talk about um, to people sometimes, and I and I, I my my you know more senior years in high school I was kind of just doing what natural seniors do you know I was skipping school and all of those things I, I was super intelligent and things but I I just skipped school and kicked it because that's what it was to do and. And so in class, you know, if I slept in class, things like that. But I had this English teacher that had like these stress balls. She had mm-hmm. she had a drawer of like those blow up, like squishy balls and stress balls. And the beginning of every semester, she'd say like, you know, we're having a bad day. Just come in here and grab one of these. And um, it was um, it was like at that time, I, I kind of thought I was getting out of class, you know, like kind of doing this. But like I, I remember significant times where I would go into her room. I come into her classroom and it felt like the only comfort zone, you know. And, and I just like grab this stress ball and be this big, you know, seventeen-year-old football player <laughs> with this stress <laughs> ball in the corner. And like, and and in hindsight, like I always thank her now is because like she got it. Like she was one of the people that like understood and offered comfort at that time. Um, and I've, I've got other friends that I've reached out about. Uh, I've reached out to them about because, like, I've, I've got some friends that stuck beside me. And, you know, now that they know more and I'm more transparent, they're like, you know, like, I just loved you for who you were. But, like, yeah, I appreciate it. I needed that love, you know, at, at times. And um, really, I think the hardest part was um, just really not seeing it, especially on when we talk the race side. Um, being extremely depressed or feeling these, these emotions and stuff. Um, I all, I only saw white people on, on TV shows and things like that. And I knew I wasn't necessarily that. And, you know, that was, that was a big time for like goth at the time, you know, I was like, not a goth kid, but like the only, you know, the only person that I related to was like Ellie on Degrassi. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like I, I actually had a time, um, originally where where I, I cut you know in high school mm-hmm. and so um that 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 really stuck with me like Ellie's cutting episode on Degrassi uh, and so you know like I, I wore long sleeves and things like that but it was just like I I really only seen it in and like white TV shows and and even at that time I I kind of had this combativeness with whiteness you know um, and so it, it was really difficult for me to kind of even relate to the things that were trying to relate to me. So uh, it was it was it was an interesting experience, kind of growing up and, and being younger and, and dealing with emotions that you you kind of don't put in your head. You know, that like you just wake up with them sometimes, and uh, fighting through that imbalance, that that chemical imbalance is is it's a doozy. You know, some days. Yeah. Um, one of my first episodes was with uh, my friend Richard Taylor, and he talked mm-hmm. about his um, the way that he, you know, discovered his depression and mm-hmm. his almost, you know, he tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, you know, he's a mental health advocate, you know, similar, mm-hmm. but he goes around and 
speaks all over the place. Um, and one of the things that I learned from him was just the grace that you have to give yourself. Yes. To be able to go through. Um, <laughs> that's Harlem in the background <laughs> to be heard, I guess. Um, the grace that you have to give yourself for you to be able to realize that even though there may be something wrong, there isn't, you know, I'm still enough. Yep. Um, to go through. And I mean, even I go to a therapist twice a week. I mean, not twice a week, but uh, every twice a month. So every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first things I learned was that um, it's OK for me to make mistakes. Yes. Because that was one of the things that I had trouble with was yes. me um, not, you know, necessarily getting things right. And yep. so as a dad for you, um, how do you handle um, how do you handle when sometimes you see that you didn't get something right? It is. Um, it, it, I, I think you hit it on the head with um, both of those. It's giving yourself grace and, and being a parent. Uh, it, it goes back to what I first said is it, it, parenting has taught me a lot of, of patience and grace and not only for my kids, but for myself. And so, um, you know, I, I did get really depressed after having kind of my first kid. Um, I wasn't where I wanted to be um, in, in my career. Um, I felt like I hadn't achieved. And then I, you know, I had to take care of a child. And so, you know, even with like my bills and things like that, it's different, you know, it's, it's different when you're getting your lights cut off or whatever. Um, and you're just a guy, you know, but yeah. when you're getting your lights cut off and you got milk in the fridge, um, it's it's a whole different pressure. And so um actually that first year, kind of how I said it was it was it was really bad. It was really bad for me. Uh I I I it would I just didn't understand where I was, how I was, and why I couldn't do better. And I didn't give myself any grace, because uh, I felt like no one else was giving me grace, you know? And so I definitely can't give myself grace. Like I, there, there's no time for any softness in this right now. You got to figure it out. And, um, what I've learned, um, man, it's, I don't even know if we have so much time to talk about it, but, um, I had, I've had the ability to kind of, um, alleviate that with therapy. Um, but also with, with my children and, and you see kind of how it's formed. So uh, I'm sure when you first went through therapy, uh, one of the first thing that all therapists do is um, they start unpacking childhood trauma. And, and you, you know, you learn so much of yourself, <laughs> so much about yourself during your childhood and what happened during your childhood. And for me to be, um, you know, I was, I was one of those kids that was, that was the golden child that was supposed to be the smartest I was supposed to achieve. And, and I kind of lived under that. And, and I always knew that I couldn't make mistakes like that. You know, that was my life. I made a bunch of mistakes. And that was the part that I was kind of that you leave out is as much as you tell yourself, you can't mess up. You messed up a bunch of times. Like, bro, you yeah. good. You know, like there that you, even though you weren't trying to mess up, you messed up a bunch of times. And you still straight. And so I I have my daughters and, and my daughters are kind of the same way. You know, they're really intelligent. And um, my oldest daughter, I always say, is just like me. Um, she's she's a very passionate person. And so uh, she's one of the kids that, you know, 
people would say is are are like a crybaby um things like that's that's kind of how i grew up i grew up under the moniker of being a crybaby all the time you know I, and i'm really just passionate you know <laughs> like I, i'm a really passionate yeah. person and so one of her um she had a breakdown actually when she first started school and and her breakdown was because not because she messed up but because as we you know as we prepared her for school we told you know we'd say things like you have to follow directions uh if you don't do that at school they won't let you be in school and so when she got corrected um at school um and she was told you know to like step out the classroom things like that she thought that she was going to be kicked out of school for messing up Mm. and she like she had a full tantrum breakdown like i had to come up to the school um they have a really nice school that actually has you know a counselor and uh uh, social worker that that's there um but it 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 was one of those times where it made me step back um not only be able to teach my child you can mess up you know you can mess up you yeah. don't have to put this weight on yourself of never being able to make a mistake and then two you know it it, it made me once again go back and start thinking about the words that I say, um, you know, as I parent. And and because parent, I've, I've only been a parent for six years, you know, like he, he, yeah. I have three kids. I've only been a parent for six years. So I'm still learning as much as I think I know, um, I'm still learning. And so it allowed me to reevaluate that. And, um, and, and not only just what we're talking about, but Except the wording of how we present things, because we don't want to. Pre- I didn't want to present it as you'll get kicked out of school. I wanted to present it as let's practice these skills going into school, and mm. so um, learning that. And like I said, it's it's a lot of mental and childhood unpacking. But uh, I grew up in an environment where I thought that I couldn't make mistakes. But not only that, I think that I couldn't make mistakes. I thought that kind of loving was only being critical of those mistakes. And um, and that's something that my father's really big on, Um, you know, like I knew I knew my father, you know, loved me. Um, I never questioned my father loved me or anything like that. But um, all I ever knew was that my pops never told me, you know, when I did good, that was just expected. He only identified when I messed up. It was only good. And so as I grew up, I didn't take that, you know, I didn't take that as like something that I hated about him. I took that on as love, you know. And so I started being that way with people that I loved. I was extremely critical. I was like, I, you know, I don't praise you during regular times because I expect you to you're amazing always to me, you know. So so the only love I need to show is criticism when you're not amazing. And um, and that was that was something that we kind of unpacked in therapy for for a while. And it made me take a step back and, and think about how I treat people, how I love people, and, and also how how we how I need to be around making mistakes for myself and for others. Wow, that's good. That's really good. We don't always we don't we don't always see it, bro. We don't yeah, always we don't, see we don't, it. We don't. We don't. I'm reading this book called Safe People. And it was talking about one one part was talking about how we replicate uh, the relationships that we're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So if we have a certain type of relationship with our parents or with our siblings or whatever, we will replicate that in um, 
platonic relationships or you know love love relationships mm-hmm. will will replicate that so it's interesting to hear you say you know this is what i did because this is what i knew um yeah. and that you know the, the self-awareness that's the one thing that i've most definitely got from therapy that introspection and being able to like self-identify yeah that junk right there it saves me from going down a dark, dark path sometimes because yes. it's like, oh man, I see it. Yep. I see what's happening for what what's going. Let me not go down that path. Yeah, <laughs> you, you step outside for a second and you're like, oh man, oh yeah. <laughs> bro, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What have you learned from being a co-parent? Oh man, um, like I mean, I know your wife is in the house, but like you still yes. are two different people. We we uh, we learn every day. Uh, that that's one that's that's really big, um, and it really big on as we as we talk about what you what you know prior and what you know afterwards. Um, and and one thing that we're really big and we kind of uh, hammer down on our um, our children need different things from us, and so it's okay to have different parenting styles to an extent um and um it has been a learning journey um it's definitely been a learning journey um each and every step you know um there's things that we we agree on there's things we disagree on there's things that we thought we agreed on that now we don't agree on and um the main thing is this is kind of how we tackle marriage in general is um we're on the same team um, that that's the the main goal and, and so um once again you know relating to to sports teams and players like everybody doesn't you know doesn't have the same mentality doesn't have the same path but at the end of the day we're we're all here to win the championship we're all here to win the game and so recognizing that um this person is is on the same team and this person is also has the closest or the same amount of love that you have for your child. Um, and I think that's the thing that that's really difficult for people in co-parenting a lot of times is you, when you have a child, you love them in a way that you've never loved before in your life. And, you know, that's the first thing I had when I had my daughter. And as I just had a daughter, you know, I felt that same feeling. I was like, this is crazy. Like this feeling, I've never felt this way about anybody before, you know, like that that it's totally reserved for you. And a lot of times we get, we get selfish in that thought. We think that we're the only people that love our child that way. And there's a whole other person that loves your child that way. And so um, when you start thinking about like what you do and what you stand on, um, you have to realize that this is a person, this is another person that loves your child just as much because nobody else does, you know, like it, it can be a granny, it can be a, a cousin, whoever, a friend, nobody will ever love you. You know, no one will ever love your child like you love your child, except for the other parent. And and that's what you kind of just got to really stick in on is that, um, you know, sometimes we won't agree. Sometimes we will. Sometimes we'll think, um, you know, the other person is too harsh or uh, you know, not harsh enough. Um, but remembering we're on the same team and ultimately 
loving the child is the thing that we care about, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, understood. So my final question, what scripture do you use? What, what do you say to yourself, you know, to get you through those times when it's hard for you? Yeah. So it's, it is, um, it's going to sound really cliche. Um, and this is it. I'll tell you why, but, um, it, it's actually John three sixteen, um, and, and John three sixteen and 17 are my favorite scriptures. Um, that in Genesis one one, I think in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Is it? I think it says so much more than we think it says. But um, Jesus giving His only—I mean, God giving His only begotten Son—that um, whosoever believeth in Him uh, should not perish but have an everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Like that, just the thought of belief in Jesus, like that. Um, we had that scripture um, going up my stairs as a kid. And so originally I started reading it because it said John, like that, that you know, that was yeah. John. And I I was so interested in it. And um because it was in your house, so you you sometimes you don't think these affirmations in your house work, but my parents had that in the house. I read that scripture every single time I went upstairs. Uh and, and we had we had like, you know, the most Bible brown. Yeah. With John three sixteen and seventeen, and I think that is what keeps me going because it's literally just the definition of faith. Uh, you know, every everything about Jesus is 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 walking on faith. You know, like I I just look up to Jesus because he you was able to just roll on faith. <laughs> like every you know like it's the vibes bro like he's like i'm gonna come down here off the strength that god said go down here yeah and he want us like he want us (laughs) like Like he he wants y'all so i'm gonna go down there yeah like i'm 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 loyal to to all of this like because i believe in you and so (laughs) me that's what keeps me going is like uh you know i use i use another quote that's not, not from the bible but um about it uh the you know the quote says um it all gets better in the end you know so uh, if it's not better it's not the end and you know um that that it's the same thing for me is i have an undying unwavering faith in jesus christ and and to know that you know god gave jesus for me um at the end of the day it feels like anything other than unimaginable faith and and confidence is is letting god down you know and and so that's why like i said it, it sounds really cliche but it that's the quote that i'll always do it for me that's the scripture i always do it for me i think you muted uh dj i didn't hear what you said there oh i was muted my fault um i thought yeah harlan was barking um i never thought about that i think that's i think that's incredible um without faith it's impossible to please him you know so i never thought yeah that's a that's a powerful way to look at it man i i appreciate you hopping on my podcast man you know Um, i'm happy to be here no problem, man. Jesus and Jim Shoes is always a place where you can, you know. I appreciate you dropping some more music, finally. 
Definitely, definitely. I got a lot of music just dropped, man. I got some on the way this Friday. Um, I might have an EP and a couple more singles before the year out, but okay, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I do appreciate it. Um, I remember when we were in college and like right right after college, um, the junk that you dropped when I was because I, I stayed in school a little longer than you guys. Yeah, so I was getting my MBA like right after, and I was still playing ball. But um, but yeah, I remember when I was down in Kansas and I was most definitely bumping. It's like, who is this? I was like. Y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready, bro. It's love, man. Every, every so, listen is love. Every listen is man. love. Man. But like I said, I appreciate you hopping on uh, Jesus and Jim Shoes. What's your IG, dog? So they can... Uh... Uh, my IG, everything is the real rewind. Um, wherever you can find me. Discord, IG, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Any of yeah. the things. <laughs> any of it's the things. the real rewind. Nothing spelled funny. It's just okay. me. I'm here. I mean, it's unfortunate that you're alpha, but you know, I'll mess with you. But you're from Ada Town, hey, and I rock What's... with Ada Town. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Line, you know, man. you know, it ain't never love Ada Town with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you so much, G, for coming on. Um, again, this is another episode of Jesus and Gym Shoes, where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills in Jesus. Uh, follow us. Uh, at this is underscore Jesus in gym shoes on Instagram and uh, website coming soon. So I love you. Talk to you next time. Thanks again, everyone. <laughs>